Welcome back, everybody, to the 54th episode of the Jake and Joe Show. I'm Jake. I'm Joe. Today, we got a pretty cool episode planned for you. Remember last episode, Joe had mentioned maybe wanting to take a test to see how optimistic or pessimistic we are, so we did just that. Uh, We'll go over those results with you in just a few moments, and then go into Song of the Week. What are we doing after Song of the Week? Oh, yeah, the writing prompt. Forgot about that, man. You mean speed writing. Yeah. Oh, my word. Now I'm doing it. I got you. I got you doing it. All right. Yeah, speed writing, of course. We're going to do that. Uh, So let's just get this kicked off, and Joe can introduce the test that we did. Okay, so like Jake mentioned last week, I had mentioned wanting to do some type of test that decided whether or not we were pessimists or optimists, because I felt like Jake is a kind of a pessimistic person. And uh, we had some feedback from Brittany on Twitter saying that she doesn't think you're a pessimist, she thinks you're depressed. But let's not go into that right now. We... uh, sat here before starting to record and we found a test that we liked so we took it and we got our results i shared mine with jake but jake has not shared my his with me so we're going to get into that um it's a test that was done by stanford so it's uh it's pretty official it's called the learned optimism test and it's adapted from dr martin seligman's book learned optimism so it was a 48 question test the key to finding a good test for us was that i wanted it to be a test that it wasn't always obvious as to whether or not you were answering optimistically or pessimistically. Uh, there are a lot of tests out there that are like, do you think more positively about the world or more negatively? Like that's right. so obviously. And you can easily tailor that to what the outcome you want. Right. You even if it's like even if you're trying to be honest, sometimes you're gonna like subconsciously pick what's like you would like to see in yourself over what actually makes up you. Right. So this this test is a little more subtle. Some of the questions when I answered them, I had no idea whether I was answering pessimistically or optimistically. For example, question number 28, which says, your boss gives you too little time in which to finish a project, but you get it finished anyway. And the two answers are, I am good at my job or I am an efficient person. Both of those seem like positive things. So, you know, you don't really know, okay, I'm choosing this one because this is what I think, but is this the pessimistic answer or the optimistic answer? So I think it was a very good test, very well done. Yeah. It allowed you to answer as unbiased as possible. So uh, Jake and I took it, and we got our results. We sure did. First of all, I think we should talk about, before going into this test, did you expect yourself to test optimistically or pessimistically? I, in all honesty. Yeah, I expected myself to go to be in the middle, but like leaning uh, optimistic. So, so like a six out of ten, if a ten was optimistic and a right. one was pessimistic. We don't really have like a scale for the score that it gave us. It's just kind of like a number. Right. It's just numbers, but they don't tell you. It does kind of give you, like you know, mildly or very. Right. It does use those. It, it, words. it gives you word descriptors. Yeah. This might come as a surprise to you. But before going into the test, I was kind of, I was honestly expecting myself to test pessimistically. Yeah. I seem like a pretty optimistic person, but I'm kind of like dramatic in my own mind. Like I let my mind go crazy and get out of control when I'm thinking about things. And I think that naturally takes you down the pessimistic path because you can immediately start envisioning and imagining the worse. That reminds me of, uh, I think it was two weekends ago, like... You kept doubting a question that you brought up, and you're like, "Oh, I'm a bad friend," and 
Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was really Um, funny. Okay, so like it just brought you down a whole like rabbit hole that made it worse. Oh, dude, I was like (laughs) freaking out in my own mind for several hours. Yeah. So about a month ago now, maybe a little. Oh, I think it was just like two weeks ago. Well, I'm I'm going further back. Okay, okay. We uh we hung out with uh Jordan, who's been on the show, and some other friends. We went and played pool, and we went out to dinner or whatever, and so we had a good time and everything. So then a couple weekends ago, you messaged all of us and said hey do you guys want to hang out and do something similar to what we did a few weekends ago and i was like yeah that sounds fun let's do it and everyone was like sure you know let's do something or there were a few people that did or whatever jordan said yes actually he was the only other person that said yes yeah so we we kind of we, we we kind of said yes, but then we didn't say anything else about it we just kind of forgot and then like the day before or the day of I don't remember which it was. We hadn't really made any plans yet, so I offered to you, hey, if you guys just want to come over to our place and hang out, we can do that. Like, our, our, our house is open. We don't have to go out anywhere. You guys are welcome here and we can hang out. And you said, sure, that sounds like a good idea. Let me check with the others or let, let me check with Adria. I yeah. checked with Jordan and everyone seemed to be on board, board with it. But then I got thinking in my head and I'm like, well... Jake said that he wanted to do something similar to what we did a few weeks ago, which was going out and doing something. And I just kind of like jumped in here and was like, let's do something at my place. And I invited people over that you had already previously invited to do other things. So in my head, I'm like, oh man, I'm stepping on toes. Like I shouldn't have said anything. So then I'm like, okay, let's go bowling. (laughs) Yeah, you like doubled down. Right, I'm like, let's go bowling. And there really wasn't enough time to go bowling because Michaela wanted her friend Mona to be able to hang out with us as well. And she didn't get out of work till seven. So we were really limited on like when we could start doing something and like the bowling alley closed and I said we could order food. And if we went bowling, then we wouldn't have time to order food. So I've got this dilemma going on in my head. I'm like, now I've offered everyone to go bowling and everyone was game for that. And now I don't know if that was the right move. And I feel like I'm going to step on toes if I say, (laughs) never mind, let's not do that. So I'm like panicking in my brain. And I was like, I was stressed out for a bit. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I shouldn't have stepped in. (laughs) So eventually I'm like, Jake, I feel like a bad friend. I'm stepping (laughs) on toes. I kind of like took over this weekend and made the plans that you originally said, like you came up with them. Did that ever, did that bother you at all? No. Like when I said that I wanted to do something similar, I was really talking about the going out to eat more than the bowling. And I came Ah. out right and told you when you said that you, you know, want to go bowling. I was like, I mean, I'll go, but I'm not going to bowl. And I didn't know if that was you saying, like, you didn't want to go at all or if it well, was no, you just saying, like... Well, no, I was actually like, really cool. I was really cool with going over to your house. Like, that would yeah. have been better to me. Right. So I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds great. We'll get food and hang out at your house. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Like, to me, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think Adria wanted to go, go out more and do something. Right, which but, is why I was so, like, conflicted because I was talking to her at the same time I was right. talking to you. Yeah. And she kept <laughs> making comments about wanting to go out. And I was talking to my wife at the same time who wanted to go bowling. Jordan didn't care. He was aloof, yeah. so I didn't care about him. <laughs> but I just – I felt bad that, like, you had originally come up with the idea and I kind of, like, took it over. Well, I, I, so. I came uh, – Adria came up with the idea, but I vocalized it. You vo- ah, okay. I see. So it was Adria's thing. And so I, I ruined it for her then. Not really, because she likes coming over here. 
But yeah, I, I just feel like I can sometimes let my brain go down a rabbit hole of negativity, so I yeah. can tend to be pessimistic. So going into this test, that's kind of what I was expecting for myself. Yeah. So, I so guess let's, let's get, get into our results yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the score results, it gives you your total bad score and your total good score. And then good minus bad score is your average at the end. And that's like your overall optimism or pessimism. So <laughs> before we started recording, Jake and I were going to share our results with each other. So we finished up and I said to Jake, I'm like, so Jake, what'd you get? And he's like, what did you get? I don't want to tell you. So I told him that my good minus bad score, the overall score is 10. <laughs> and he looks at me and he was like, positive <laughs> so i don't know what jake got for a score but i'm willing to bet that it is negative <laughs> jake what'd you get so positive 10 was that like very optimistic very optimistic mine was negative two very pessimistic <laughs> so what comes below negative two like I, depressed I, seek medical attention i don't know well i think that's a whole separate thing it was the only negative score I had. I maybe well maybe that was that's kind of like So your total yeah. bad score must have been like ten. Okay, and your that meaning your total good score was only eight? Was eight. Yeah. Wow, so you were right in the middle then. Yeah? I yeah, because you, I didn't get a lot of points. Right. You're you're near zero. I, I feel like if you had gotten zero it would have been like moderate. You're just right in the middle ground because your good score, your good score was equal to your. So bad I'm score. the opposite of what I was expecting to be. I thought I would be, I thought I would be middle bordering optimism, but it looks like a middle bordering pessimism. But it gives you the label very, very pessimistic. pessimistic, which is odd. Right. I got so yeah. So mine was uh, my bad score was five, which they say is very optimistic, and then my good score was fifteen, which they say is average. So then 15 minus 5, obviously, is 10, which gives me a very optimistic score. Interesting. I think, the, I think these results are, are interesting. So now we can compare what we got for final results to what we were expecting. I was expecting to be pessimistic, and I, I got the exact opposite of that. I got very pe very optimistic. Right. Did we, did we mention like what this test was in case listeners want to yeah i i mentioned that it was the Stan stanford uh learned optimism okay, test. okay so now i guess we could ask what we each think of each other in terms of pessimism optimism do you see me on a scale of one to ten ten being as optimistic as you can be like nothing bad happens everything is good versus a one being i am so pessimistic nothing good ever happens right. like those are ex the extremes where do you where would you put me probably like a seven or an eight you see me as optimistic yeah, like I, that much I knew of the that time. you'd be optimistic. Yeah, I didn't think you'd be like poster boy for optimism. Right. But yeah, seven or eight. I'm definitely not the poster said. boy. I complain about quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> is complaining... But I guess, I guess complaining, yeah, like what you're going to ask, basically. I don't think complaining... I think that's like, in this test, it's separate from your results. I think it's more of like your thought process when certain, when certain things happen. You made me giggle with your certain... Certain things. Certain things. Because the questions were like, you know, here's something that happens. What's the first thing that is going through your mind? So it's more of like your thought process. Right. Right. So what what you're saying here is that complaining is not the same as being optimistic or pessimistic. Because right. everyone's going to complain. And that doesn't mean that you're being a pessimistic person. It just means that you have something to 
complain about. Right. And I have a lot to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> I complain a lot. Well, I guess if I was to give you a score out of 10. Negative two? I would not give you a negative two. I would actually give you, are you ready? Yeah. Drum roll. I'd give you a five. Yeah. Which is like exactly what you were thinking you'd be for yourself. Although you probably would think you would be like a six. I probably would have said like five and a half to six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Five is definitely fair. I think you're like, you have your optimistic moments, but you definitely have your pessimistic moments. Um, I know I said last week that I think you're a pessimist, but I kind of feel, I think I was being a little dramatic because of the situation we were talking about last week Yeah. with your whole like, just eh, whatever, (laughs) I don't know where to find the joy in life. But I think overall as a whole, I think you're pretty middle ground. Yeah. I feel like I'm uh, that way with a lot of things. I don't like it, but I'm all, I'm never like one way or the other. I'm like, oh, here I am. A happy medium <laughs> of both things. Uh, Jack of all trades. Sometimes, though, I feel like you're very optimistic. Yeah. Like when you're excited to play PUBG or something like that. Yeah. Like I feel like you exude more optimism than you normally do. Yeah. When you have something to really look forward to, which I think is natural for anyone, really. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm I think there's like it's rare, but there are moments when it it just gets like manic where it's like this thing that I'm doing, especially PUBG is just like, you know, really exciting to me and I love it and like here's why and I'll tell you why. I just have a burst of And when good someone feelings. says something bad about it, I will fight against that. <laughs> basically. I guess that about wraps up our discussion on this test. Um, Definitely go take it for yourself. I'll try to remember to throw a link to the test in the description. I know I say that for a lot of things, but then I never remember to. So it's it's easy enough to find. If you just search for the Stanford uh, Learned Optimism Test, it'll come right up. It's a simple text page where you can you can do it on your phone, you can do it on your computer, whatever. Forty eight questions. Forty eight questions. Yeah, it took us five minutes to do. Yeah, not long. And it's cool to see. It's not. I, I feel like being optimistic or pessimistic is something that you can know about yourself pretty easily. Um, whereas something like a, a personality type, which we did several episodes on, mm. you kind of have to take a test to know what your personality type is. I mean, you can know who you are, but knowing the science behind your personality and how it's broken down, you can't really know that. Right. But optimism, pessimism, you can kind of just know. You know how you feel day to day. Do I feel more optimistic about this or more pessimistic? That's probably why they give you a breakdown of different scores, the uh, the permanence and the pervasiveness, so you can learn a little more about your personality. I think this is more flexible, too, depending on where you're at in life, whereas your personality is not going to budge too much by the time you're an adult. You know, say say like you take the test at 25 and then you take the test at 45. Yeah. You're going to get similar letters. You know, right. ENFJ, maybe you'll be an EN, whatever J, like TJ yeah. or whatever, uh, for instance. But with pessimism and optimism, I feel like that has more to do with the situation you're currently in. I, I agree with because that. Because you're kind of like pre-programmed to think a certain way. Like, for instance, I'd say I've been stressed out for like a, a several months now i mean even more than that if you want to count all my medical stuff um so I'm, I'm it makes me wonder and i'm just mentioning it because it makes me wonder if um if all that was gone like say in five years i don't have to worry about this anymore and you know, my schooling's done i have a good job i'm starting a family and i you know don't have a lot of negative things on my mind maybe if i would take this test again it would come out a little better right I, I agree. Um, that being said, 
I think that what we should do is we should write down our scores. I'll put it in a Word document and save it to our podcast folder. Yeah. And then I'll set a reminder on my Google account for a year from now. Yeah. And we can take this test again in a year. Yep. And see. We could. You know, I mean, that'd be easy enough. Just take a screenshot of it on your phone and message it to me and I'll put it in a Word document. And then a year from now, we can uh, take it again and see how much has changed. On episode 106 or 108. <laughs> I feel like by that point, we will have forgotten the questions. Oh, so yeah. it'll be like taking the test fresh. And it won't mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to answer this one because this is what I did last time. Right. There's no way we'll remember. No, because it, it's subtle. It's right. not like an obvious And that's thing. the cool thing about this test is that it's so subtle. I feel like if it was more obvious like the other tests I was talking about, it would be easy to replicate your results a year down the road. Mm-hmm. But this won't be as easy to do. So it'll be cool to... It'd be cool to track it over time. Do it once a year for like 10 years. That would be cool. Then you could see how your optimism or pessimism has changed over the years, how you've changed as a person. I'm willing to bet that the vast majority would be a bell curve. You're probably right. I think, you know, in, when you're in your 40s and 50s, it's going to be the highest. You're going to be most optimistic? Probably like in your f- 40s and 50s. Wow, and I don't. Then, I disagree. I disagree because that's really? when people go through like their midlife crisis. I feel like that's yeah. the lowest point. Oh, maybe because be that's. A dip. I, right, I feel like it would be a reverse bell curve. I feel like it would be high in your early twenties, because really? you're you're high on life. You're I like, yeah, I'm young you and want. I'm I'm young and I'm immortal. And then I've never when you're, thought that. And when you're like forty, you're going to be like, well, this is it. I've crossed. Think, I've, I'm over the hill. This is all it yeah. from here. And then once you're retired, you're like, I can do whatever I want. I think I've been living my whole life getting myself ready to be an old person. <laughs> so I think mine's just a line. Like a like a an ever increasing an line. exponentially increasing line. <laughs> Jake's gonna be I'm just waiting until I can just eat blended applesauce <laughs> without my dentures. Without you know? my dentures oh, in. Oh, that's great. That's great. Not have to worry about anything else but wheeling myself in a wheelchair and getting caught on the friggin' rug that bob keeps leaving and bob freaking bob from room 102 he shouldn't even <laughs> be in here anyway he's fine he's got no mental issues <laughs> so that wraps up that segment uh you guys should take the test and hit us up on twitter and facebook and let us know what you got for results let's uh move on let's get to song of the week and let's do it so what do you got what did you bring to the table well little underground artist that no one's ever heard of right yeah little underground artist that no one's ever heard of not so much this time well a little while ago joe showed me a thong (laughs) i showed you my thong (laughs) joe showed me this thong jake came over to record and i was like hey jake i need your opinion on something i want to surprise michaela how do i look in this thong (laughs) (laughs) no uh he showed me a song called thief and I was like, oh, this is this is a really good song. I like the 80s vibe to it. Um, and we never used it as a song of the week, but I but I, we're going to mention it now because it just so happened that in my Discover Weekly, the same dude has a song called Supernova. And coincidentally, this guy's name is Ansel Elgort. I think it's Elgort. Oh, Elgort. Okay, that's a, that's a G? Yes. Okay, Ansel Elgort. And... Turns out this dude is the driver from Baby Driver and he's the main male character in Fault in Our Stars and I knew he looked familiar. 
but I didn't put two and two together. And I was telling Joe how, like, interesting that is that this dude's in, like, AAA, if it's rated that way. Like, Hollywood blockbuster films, and he's, you know, he's decent. I would definitely say Baby Driver was a AAA blockbuster. Yeah, and and then his music is really good, too. Usually, you know, you'll get someone who's a music musician first, actor second, or an actor first, music, musician second, and their talent is very obvious, like, you know, where they should focus their efforts. But this here, I feel like he's really good at both, and he can do whatever he wants. Um, so here's Supernova. We'll do 30 seconds of that. I keep it all pressed. Work on my realness. Reading my manifest. I'll address your request. I've been waking up drenched in sweat. On my dreams full of my regret. I keep hearing what my mother said. Eyes are open on I see is red. I met you in California You told me you loved him in Georgia Your heart's in the ground frozen over My heart's in the sky supernova So, I, if you like that song And especially if you're like Joe and I And you're really loving this like 80s synth comeback We're seeing in, in uh, popular music I would definitely recommend checking out Thief as well Like Joe found a couple weeks ago um, I would even actually say, even though this is my song of the week, that Thief is probably one of the, uh, the more memorable of the two. I'm loving the retro comeback. Mm. Um, I sent you a song just recently uh, by, it's a new Calvin Harris and Sia song called Flames, Yep, I believe. I think I've, it was. I've listened to it a bunch, so I'm surprised I don't remember the name. Yep. But the album art and the sound of the song is like the 80s retro synth it was comeback. Cool, man. And I'm like, ah, Calvin Harris is embracing this, and he's making a song with Sia. Yep. It's coming back. It's coming back fast, too. So um, what did you think of the song? Anything in particular? I I like Thief more. Yeah, I, th- um, I think I like Thief more, too. This is this is still a great track. Yeah. Uh, I like the line where he said, uh, your your heart's in the ground frozen over, mine's in the sky supernova. Like, I like that, the contrast there. Yeah. Her heart's frozen. His is exploding in warmth. <laughs> in warmth. So uh, which song do you have for us, Joe? Which song do I have? Well, you told me that we recently had a listener who said that I explain my song of the weeks a lot and that I often have a lot of meaning behind the songs I choose. Yes. I don't remember who that was. That was my friend Devin. We'll bleep his name for confidentiality purposes. Or not. Jake gave me the nod that I don't need to do that, <laughs> so I guess I'm not going to. But anyway, this is a song that has some significance behind it for me. Um, not in like a super emotional or like, you know, deep way or whatever. Um, but my song of the week is Crossing a Line by Mike Shinoda. And if Mike Shinoda doesn't ring a bell to you, you're probably more familiar with him in the band Linkin Park. And I've talked a lot about Linkin Park in the past. Uh, we talked about Linkin Park quite a bit last year when Chester Bennington, the lead singer for Linkin Park, committed suicide. Uh, We talked about how Linkin Park had always had a lot of, it it carried a lot of weight in my life and and their music meant meant a lot to me. Uh, And it's, they they really shaped the music that I listen to now. Um, I I started out with Linkin Park. Linkin Park was my first rock album that I really got into. And then I found out that uh, Mike Shinoda, the lead, the other lead singer of Linkin Park, had a side project called Fort Minor. And Fort Minor was actually my first rap album. And that's a big reason that I love 
rap today is Lincoln Park led to Mike led to Fort Minor, which led to my preference now. So anyway, um, Chester Bennington passing away, uh, that was upsetting to me. And I'm still, I'm still not to the point where I can just comfortably listen to Lincoln Park without like getting a little teary eyed, not like crying or whatever, but like I'll well up a little bit just knowing that the, the music world lost someone like him, someone so talented and caring. Um, so Mike Shinoda was his best friend, and he's been going through a lot, obviously, as, as anyone would. And he's been using music to cope. Um, he released a few tracks on the EP end of last year. One of them was called Over Again, and it was talking about how he doesn't ha- have to just say goodbye to his friend one time. He feels like he's saying goodbye every single day because he's constantly reminded by fans and people coming up to him and saying, hey, it'll be okay. Mm. So he's saying goodbye over and over and over. So then it went from uh, more emotional music like that to this song here, Crossing a Line, where he's finally starting to realize um, where he's at and where he wants to be. And there's a line separating the two, and he needs to make that step over it and overcome these thoughts that he's been having for the last year uh, to make progress towards healing. So here's 30 seconds of Crossing a Line by Mike Shinoda. And they'll tell you I don't care anymore. And I hope you'll know that's a lie Cause I found what I have been waiting for But to get there means crossing a line So I'm crossing a line So what'd you think? I like that a lot. I was telling you the one, the first comment I made about it was that it sounded just like Phil Collins in, in like Genesis, but I think particularly Phil Collins solo stuff. And then after I got listening to it, I'm like, yeah, dude, it sounds like that song from Tarzan. It's just that same like vocal style and vocal effect. Yeah. And it's a really good song, dude. I really like it, and I can definitely hear myself. Uh, or see myself I should say like listening to that more and more like in my own time yeah that's kind of how I've been judging songs of the week like if if I could actually see myself listening to them besides just that's a good way you to know look what at I mean it. right right like replayability yes uh yeah it does sound a lot like Phil Collins and you're not the first person to pick up on that if you scroll down and look at the comments on the video there are other people talking about how they like the Phil Collins vibe yeah it's so Um, cool and it does after you pointed out that it sounds like you'll be in my heart from Tarzan yeah I can hear it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and not that's not a bad thing you can he's he probably took he might because they're both kind of similar right because if he's talking about you know um his life after his best friends died. I mean, it's kind of a similar thing. It's relationships. And right. He's talking about, you know... It's emotional. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think he probably drew, in, drew inspiration from there. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So. He, pro- he probably watched Tarzan or, like, heard the song again and, and like, had a, a very emotional <laughs> moment. And he's like, dude, we got to make this a song. This ha- gonna... There has to be something that sounds yeah. like this modern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I like that song, man. That about wraps up Song of the Week. Let's move on to speed writing. Yum. All right, everyone. Jake, I I made that text real nice and big for you on the screen because I know you're basically blind. Can you read that, Jake? Barely, but I think I I can see that. Okay. Joe had already picked out a couple, and we chose the one that we both liked. 
I didn't um, premeditate on them, though. I picked them out like five yeah. minutes before he got here. So it's not like I already have an idea in my head. Right. Uh, this one is, with new technology, whenever somebody is hurt, you can see how much damage they've taken. On the bus, the person next to you is taking one damage every few seconds. Cool, man. This is going to be a good one. I can see us going a lot of different directions with this. Yeah. All right. So right. we will see you back here in a blink of an eye for you. 15 minutes for us. Let the writing begin. Cue the Mulan theme song. Wait, no, the, the training montage song. The I'll make a man And just like that, boys and girls, we're back. A blip for you. 15 minutes for us. I will admit this one took me like 15 and a half minutes because I needed to finish my thought, my sentence. Otherwise, it would have been a weird ending. But you finished very timely. I'm proud of yeah. you. Yeah, I think I was wrapping up the sentence when I heard the uh, alarm. The old ringer bell. So I think because you finished more timely than me, you should go first. Okay. I think that's a reward. That, that That's your reward for a job well done, Jake. All right. It, I'm look, like looking at yours. I'm not reading it, but looking at it, it looks like we set it up the exact same way. What we do you mean? gave the background of the tech, yeah, and then the rest was like the dialogue with the person. Oh, man. Did we really do the same yeah. thing? So here it is. Technology has always advanced at an exponential pace. Previous generations could see one or two life-changing technological innovations in their lifetime. Then their kids would see 10, their kids 100. Well, it didn't take long before the medical world came out with biodata, a generically named wearable technology that could allow you to see not only your own health, but the health of those around you as well. At first, this created a huge controversy over the morality of privacy versus well-being, but medical world eventually won that race. Healthcare was single-payer by 2028, and big medical had a lot of power and influence. In many cases, privacy ended up losing to healthcare. Most didn't mind, as it was soon discovered that mortality rates dropped significantly in the first decade. No longer were people able to say, man, this is becoming a problem, but eh, I can hold out a little longer. Family, friends, and kind strangers would point out even the smallest of concerns and let them know to go get that checked out. So much cancer was detected early that the people who died from it dropped 90% at the end of that decade. It was the closest thing to a miracle the world would ever see. So it was common practice to observe and analyze others around you on public transportation. After all, you wouldn't want to catch a cold from the stranger sitting next to you if you could avoid it, right? One evening on my bus ride back from work, I was sitting next to a normal-looking woman who seemed to fit the middle-class stereotype. After discreetly checking my Biodata wrist app, I came across something I hadn't seen before. You see, these devices also show you the health of someone displayed kind of like a video game where you see a percentage out of 100. It was uncommon for this number to go down fast, but I had heard reports of it happening before. These events were usually the last moments before death by natural causes, or even a gunshot wound to the abdomen, but this woman next to me was losing one health, the tiniest fraction, every few seconds. I was quite alarmed, and so I didn't waste any time in bringing it to her attention. Excuse me, miss? I gently placed my hand on her upper arm, and she turned her head my way, without a particular expression. I couldn't help but notice that your health was going down considerably. You should see a doctor immediately. I expected her to thank me and get off the bus at the nearest hospital. I was curious how she hadn't seen it before. So it was to my great surprise that she responded with, Thank you, I'm aware. 
and simply turned her head back to facing forward and cut the conversation short. I sat bewildered for a few minutes before asking her about her lack of concern. Seemingly annoyed and without turning her head this time, she responded, I'm dying of cancer. I chose not to intervene because I am part of a small group that does not believe in using biodata. I'm using the last of my time to visit my late husband's grave so I can spend my last few moments with him, as we always wanted to have happen. I sat speechless for the remainder of the trip. Ten minutes later, the bus stopped on the far side of a graveyard in the center of the city. She quietly got up and, without glancing over at me, walked off the bus. I was kind of expecting some type of like turnaround or happy ending there at the end, but it didn't come. No, I didn't really have time to do something <laughs> like that. It was good, though. Yeah. I wanted. To, I was thinking about doing something like PUBG-oriented because obviously that's where my mind went. You spawn back in on a plane when you hit zero. <laughs> right. Or like this person was stuck behind the blue zone or something. You know? <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else was lagging, but they already knew that the blue zone had passed them. Right. <laughs> cool. I liked it. That was a good story. Thanks. What do you got? So you pointed out before we started this that uh, our writing styles look similar. We did like explanation at the beginning and then dialogue near the end. And that's exactly what I've got. So it might read very similar to yours. It's not going to be a lot different. Right. So here we go. They call it a convenience. I call it creepy. Doesn't matter what I think, though. People will adopt whatever technology they're told makes their lives easier, whether or not it does. So here we are. The tech is called Life Left. It's this incredible new thing where you can see how much life you have, like you're a video game character. You can start the day with anywhere from one health all the way up to 100. People with money to spend can increase their life to 110, but let's not go into that. Anyway, you can see not only your own life, but the life of others, whether they want you to or not. It's kind of an invasion of privacy, but again, there's not much I can do about it. I threw my shoes on in a rush and slammed the door behind me. It was drizzling rain, so I pulled the hood up on my sweatshirt over my head and splashed through puddles as I jogged to the bus stop. I made it under the cover of the bus stop kiosk, or whatever you call it, right as the bus was pulling up. The door slid open and I stepped on. I kept to myself mostly, looking down at my feet as I made my way towards the back of the bus. I slid onto my butt, dropped my backpack off my shoulder, and shoved it under the seat as far as I could. I liked sitting at the back of the bus. Somehow I felt safer back there. I threw my earbuds in, started my favorite playlist, and looked up and around at everyone else on the bus. I could very clearly see everyone's life bars above their heads. Most people were sitting comfortably at 75 to 80, with a few dipping as low as 40. Yikes, glad I'm not them, I thought to myself as I looked up at my bar proudly. 96. I worked hard at that. I was about to look back down at my phone to launch the crossword puzzle app that I did every day on my bus ride in, when someone's life bar caught the corner of my eye. Upon closer inspection, it appeared as though their life bar was slowly decreasing. About once every 20 seconds, one point of health would fall off the end of the bar. No one else seemed to be paying attention. No one else seemed to care. I grabbed my bag and began to make my way towards this person. The seat next to them was vacant, so I sat down. Hey man, I could now see it was a man. Early 20s. Hey, he replied cheerily. Everything alright? I asked in as caring a voice as I could muster, given my confusion. Yeah, what makes you think otherwise? Well, your life bar, it's dropping. Doesn't look like it will last much longer. His bar was at 16 health at this point. Oh, that old thing, he said. You know, you're the first person to ask me if everything was okay. This may surprise you, but most people see my bar decreasing and give me more space than one person could ever need. No, I replied, that doesn't surprise me. Well, here's the thing, he said in a hushed voice. You don't die when it hits zero. His health bar now read seven. What? I said exasperated. Those sons of... He cut me off. Shh. I'm only telling you because you cared enough to approach me. From what I can tell, 
this tech they're selling us does nothing at all. It's a simple way to make certain people feel better about themselves over others. When you see someone with less health than you, what's your first thought? I was ashamed and didn't want to admit it, but I knew. What had I just thought to myself when I saw the few people on the bus with 40 health? I thought, too bad for them. Glad I'm not where they're at. Worse thoughts than I should have, I said aloud. Exactly, he replied. So I live my life without caring what my health bar does. The less I care, the faster it drops. I'm willing to bet pretty soon it will be dropping faster than I can keep track of. His health bar hit zero and quickly reset back to 100. Guess I need to reevaluate my own life and where I'm at. Suppose I shouldn't be so proud of 96 after all. That's pretty cool. I like the twist where like, it actually doesn't even matter. Right. And it just reset back to 100 like it was a glitch or something. What I was going that- for was the whole like... Uh, kind of like classes in society where like higher health means you know you're better than those with less health than you that sounds like it could be a black mirror episode like the very end of one like every, well, you're expecting them to die at zero and then it just resets to 100 right and his his life bar is dropping faster and faster because he doesn't care right like they the tech knows he doesn't care so it's making it drop faster to try to catch his attention and be like oh i should care about this yeah whereas hers is at 96, so clearly it's dropping very slowly, meaning she cares about it a lot more than she, sh- than she thinks she does. Right. So, Interesting. Yeah, that was a pretty cool turn. I like that. Well, that about wraps up the show this week, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. This was episode 54. We'll be back next week with episode 55. Mm-hmm. Same Get, place, same time. Close. Yeah, this will be uh, how many more? Six more episodes, and then we're wrapping up the season. Yep. Just in time for summer. So, with all that being said, we'll catch you next week, guys. See you later. I love you. <laughs> Uncle Joe says I love you. Uh, I love you a lot. Don't, don't <laughs> forget that. I love you more that. than you know. More than you could ever know. Later, dudes.
Now listen up. Here's the story about a little guy that lives in some gray clothes. Hey, that's me. I know. I'm talking about you. And all day and all night and everything he wears is gray for himself. Inside and outside. In his closet is a lot of colorful clothes that he's not allowed to wear. Cause Adria's his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And she likes him to wear gray. All night and all day. By the way, Mulan is the greatest animated film of all time. By the way, you're wrong. It's tangled. Not even close. Close, 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 close.